0: Welcome to your Canadian's Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. With your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind the scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 95 of the Sergey uh, 95 of the Canadians Connection podcast. Excuse me, I got ahead of myself there. This is the Sergey Bears episode, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the. By Rick Stevens, the Sergei Barisan to Olivier Michaud. There's too much going on today, Rick. I'm <laughs> too, excited too excited about hockey being back. I'm getting ahead of myself all over the place here.
2: It's game day. Why wouldn't <laughs> you be excited? This is uh, we haven't been able to say that for a long time.
1: Yep. And I just I just wanted to be 9:30. Get to the Canadians' game, and so I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself all over the place.
2: Uh, that's 9:30 uh, Newfoundland time. For, Newfoundland uh, time. Uh, yes. yes. So uh, don't uh, the ones don't that get on, confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah in the uh in the eastern daylight uh, don't don't tune in at 9:30 don't know yet yeah
1: yeah that's a big chunk of the game you'll be missing but <laughs>
2: but episode 95 wow
1: my gosh
2: yeah already
1: yeah it's we've we've gotten to episode 95 this is the end of the line as it pertains to canadian's numbers, numbers there's yeah. not been a number 96 or 97 or 98 And we know. or 99 know. 99 is yeah. retired yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it's been quite the journey to get to this point to the Sergey Barazin episode, and this is actually interesting because three straight episodes now started with Dougie Gilmore, yeah, last week Yannick Perot. this week Sergey Barrison. That's three straight guys in the elusive club of played for both Habs and Leafs. Barazin, that's, that's yeah, yeah, no, and and that
2: doesn't happen all that uh, no that often. Uh, Barison was drafted by the Leafs, uh, a tenth round pick back in ninety four when the the <laughs> The draft went a little bit extra long. Uh, drafted in the in the tenth round, and uh, got to the Canadians in the two thousand one two thousand two season. Uh, brought over from Phoenix for Brian Savage. Um, he's got a bit of history attached to him. Um, he scored the the Montreal Canadiens franchise's ten thousandth home goal. Um, wow. Yeah. So. Uh, if you don't remember him for anything else, uh, I mean, he only played 29 regular season games, six playoff games. So uh, you may have forgotten him. But, but uh, then back in 2015, you were reminded about him because he was living down in Boca Raton and uh, he was arrested for defrauding the government, def- defrauding Medicare, actually.
1: Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. yeah. So, so all right, uh, that- he's
2: notorious. He's notorious. Yeah. That yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. He's got, he's got uh, a reputation. Olivier Michaud, um, a free agent signing uh, when uh, Jose Theodore needed a backup. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, Garon went down and so they brought up Olivier Michaud. And he got into part of one game and uh, has a save per- a perfect save percentage. That's wow. the only NHL yeah. game he got in and, and it was unblemished. So he uh, retires uh, with. Uh, an unblemished uh, save percentage and now is the goaltending coach down over in Drummondville
1: and a goaltender to wear number 95 I like that that's a a bit of a different one we thought that that. 60 was Jose Theodore was a little bit out there but 95 I like that even better
2: the funny thing Uh, (laughs) is it was the same year for uh, Berezan and Michaud
1: it was, yeah, that was the thing that I saw this morning. I was like, "What is this?" They swore it in the same season, but yeah, okay, that's yeah it, for an acquisition, I guess, coming in, and then you had a guy that wasn't going to be a fixture uh, for the Canadians uh, in a backup goaltender. So it makes enough sense, I guess. But uh, but boy, oh boy, Rick, as I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm 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 too excited because hockey is back. Hockey is on right now as we speak, mm-hmm. and we are at the position right now, August first where we have actual hockey to talk about, including a Canadians exhibition game, and whether or not you want to talk about that is another conversation. But they did, in fact, play it. The Montreal Canadiens played against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, 33 seconds in, uh, did not get off to a great start. Ben Chirot uh, pinched in. Brendan Gallagher didn't recognize, didn't really cover his uh, defenseman. That led to a two-on-one. Tavares to Ilya Mikheyev. Mikheyev made it one nothing. Follow that up with a breakaway, a shorthanded breakaway for Kasperi Kapanen. uh, Followed up by Alex Kerfoot. He made it 2-0. Suzuki, Nick Suzuki with a fantastic play. uh, A lovely pass reminding all Habs fans what made you fall in love with Nick Suzuki during this season. Just a feathery pass over to Tomas Tatar. Made it 2-1. Kerfoot with a tip. Made it 3-1. Paul Byron got them a little bit closer with a rebound goal. Making it three two, but then Morgan Riley followed up his own uh, his own shot, got the rebound, made it four to two, and that's the uh, that was the final score in that one. Uh, so the Montreal Canadiens against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think that's probably one of the better teams they could have played in preparation for a matchup against a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you have to deal with Austin Matthews and uh, John Tavares. But uh, they come up just a bit short in that one, so we'll see how they fare in the qualification round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins starting tonight at 8 Eastern. (laughs) <laughs> 9 30 newfoundland time 9 30 newfoundland time there we go um yeah
2: I, I liked what the nhl did in in putting together rivalry matchups uh with a lack of emotion in the building we're going to get to that a little later yeah. um it, it was a way of of ensuring that the teams had some emotion some internal emotion uh to be able to um play the canadians leafs as as uh is a classic uh, matchup that goes back uh, many years. Although uh, we've never seen uh, the Canadians occupy the home dressing room in Toronto as we yeah. did this week. That was that was a little odd, um, and uh, and and other things were were odd too. Um, yeah, but um, it, it was it was. Uh, I thought both teams looked a little slow, um, a little slower, uh, a little sloppy, um, slower, sloppier than than say uh, Vancouver, Winnipeg, or or the mm-hmm. Wild versus the Avalanche. Um, we didn't see the Canadian speed. Uh, the power play was uh, was a mess. <laughs> Uh, the you know the 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 scoring chances uh, in in the game recap and if you missed it head over to allhabs.net for the uh, the game recap um, i've included a, a a graphic from evolving hockey and it shows all of the toronto shots piled up in front of Kerry uh, price in the crease it shows the canadians in a you know scattered throughout the field um yeah. it was uh, it was a, a different kind of game uh, carry price kept them in uh, but uh, it just couldn't, uh, you know. He as 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 people have said, he can't he can't be at both ends of the ice. So um, w- after the game, um, uh, Claude Julian blamed it on rust, um, and uh, you know Gallagher said, "Yeah, that's all fine and well, but we don't have much time here. We got to get it together."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can say that, but I mean, there are. However, I met 23 other teams that are also dealing with that. So you just have to roll with the punches when it comes to that. Uh, But Rick, we're at a point now, August 1st, the NHL is back. It is going to be on all day. It's going to be on all day tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. We've gotten to this point now. But I think to understand fully where we are, we need to take a step back and think back to where we were about 20 episodes in in the past. Episode 75 of the Canadians Connection podcast, to be exact, when we were reacting to the NHL pausing their season.
2: March 14th, 2020. Um, the announcement had come uh, that week that the NHL was pausing the season. So that's the start. Uh, we're, we're at the restart now, uh, but, but that's the stop. That was the stopping point. So I thought it would be interesting to, um, to, to to go back to that point and listen to the podcast. And you're welcome to. Uh, all of our podcasts uh, are in the archive, in the player. Uh, head back and choose episode 75, the Hal Gill episode. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 so much had happened that week, and uh, so much information, so much changed. And I think you said during the podcast that each day seemed like it was a week long. Uh, But then um, I I pulled this this clip um, and it and it just you were expressing your emotions. And I think it helps uh, set give us context of of where we were when the league stopped, because now we're at the point of restart.
1: Uh, Rick, with the COVID-19 coronavirus, there's just been such an impact. And we go back to last week and we're talking about it because it came up at the GM meetings and Gary Bettman in his, in his press conference, he was talking about what they were doing at the league office and that they had implemented this new uh, policy when it comes to traveling. And he, he had said at that time that the clubs were open to, to do as much or as little of that policy as they wish. And here we are a week later and there is no hockey, there's no basketball, there's no basically every sporting event, baseball's pushed their opening day back two weeks there's no NCAA March Madness tournament. There is nothing. Wednesday into Thursday was one of the strangest period of what twenty well, it's twenty four hours. Strangest period uh, between a day that I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, Rick, I mean, what did you make of, of all of this?
2: The strangest period of your life. Strangest yeah. twenty four hours of your life. You 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 really captured uh, the emotion of what was going on.
1: It and, and, and to think about that now, it's almost surreal to and, and I've said this to people when they ask me about what it's like to have sports back, is that it feels like it's such a luxury that to go with we went four months without it. It almost feels like we we learned to live without it and that we we found ways to, you know, occupy ourselves other than sports. But now that it's back, yeah, it, it's surreal to think about the fact that we will be watching hockey that means something tonight today all day and, and for the next couple of days coming up but yeah it, to, to really understand the entire scope of this yeah to go back I mean we remember back the day that it got canceled the Montreal Canadiens were supposed to play a game against the Buffalo Sabres and then that just didn't happen along with the nine other games that were scheduled that night and just how weird that entire thing was at the time compared to what became the normal over the last four months is just it's 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 really uh, quite something to see how far it just sort of went along. And uh, yeah, now that it's back, I think everyone is going to be looking forward to it, uh, to, to have something to look forward to.
2: <laughs> and now we're back. And and now everybody's that 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 um, excitement is back that uh, with, with with a bit of uh trepidation um yes uh, i saw a quote from jay baruchel who was quoted by the gazette saying we don't need hockey right now uh, yeah but i'll be watching it of course i'll be watching it and he talked about you know all of these all of these new terms that were bubble cities all of this stuff sounds ridiculous (laughs) however that being said i'll watch every second of it because it's back
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's how hockey fans feel. That's how basketball fans feel. That's how sports fans feel to just have it. It's, it feels like such a luxury to have it back. So yeah, you're going to watch whether or not you think it should be, should be happening or or whatever you might think of what's happening. I mean, that's another question entirely, but it's back. And, uh, Rick, we do have uh, some interesting news to discuss before we get into discussing what's coming up. And and I will say that in segment two, we're going to be discussing the qualification round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's coming up. We're going to be getting into much more, but we're going to be starting with some roster news for the Montreal Canadiens. Alexander Romanoff, of course, has been on the minds of Montreal Canadiens fans uh, throughout this process the the last few months. Uh, But he was... In a little bit of a tricky situation, obviously, with the quarantine, had to get the visa situation figured out. There's just been a lot going on in the life of Alexander Romanov and uh, being confined to a hotel room uh, can't have been much fun for Alexander (laughs) Romanov.
2: Well, it's such a roller coaster um, that, that that he signed his his three-year entry-level uh, deal with, with the Canadians. Uh, there was the visa process, as you said. Then it was, as we talked about last week, he was going to Montreal. No, he's going to Toronto. No, he's going to Montreal. <laughs> anyway, he landed in Toronto. And, and at the beginning of the week, he did an interview with uh, a Russian website and to kind of describe um, what had happened and—, and uh, he talked about serving his quarantine. Um, he said that uh, the, the conditions were... At, he was in a room with a gorgeous view of, of Lake Ontario. The weather was beautiful. He had a, a perfect view of the city, um, but that he had a guard sitting out uh, outside yeah. his door 24 <laughs> hours a day, making sure he didn't go out in the hall, making sure he didn't go out in the street. He was under quarantine. And uh, for a, a young guy... Um, and who's used to training every day, who's uh, used to being very active. It was tough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he said that the Canadians uh, reps had, had uh, been in touch with him uh, and uh, talked about the, the, the exercises that he uh, could do in the room. He said another girl uh, advises to do more push-ups. I'm not sure what that means, but um, <laughs> he was just counting down the days until – uh, when this thing was over, and um, he talked about you know knowing Paul Byron, he talked about getting some advice from Alexander Radulov. Um, he was he was itching to get out, uh, but he also uh, we shouldn't forget that that there's uh, this he comes from a hockey family, uh, so he had some good advice there. His dad played in the Russian Super uh, Super Elite League. His grandfather was. Um, uh, Belitinov, and uh, six world championships, two world junior uh, golds, one Olympic gold. This guy, this was, he was a Russian star. So yeah. he's got a lot <laughs> to draw on here um, and uh, to help him, to get him through uh, those early days uh, when he arrived in North America.
1: Three generations right there. So, my God, he does have a lot to live up to, a lot to draw from. So that is a positive thing for sure. Uh, and then... Additionally, we have a really peculiar story surrounding Dale Weiss and his situation because obviously he is uh, his contract will be expiring very soon. Uh, and there was a report that he had a deal with Lausanne of the National League in Switzerland to play over there. Um, he denied that this week, um, saying that he's looking for another contra- another contract with the Montreal Canadiens.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um- it's funny because this was on our, our radar uh, for a couple of weeks now, and, and yeah. there's just been so much news we didn't get to it, uh, that there was uh, a report from Lausanne, um, the Lausanne Ly- Lions of uh, in Switzerland, that he uh, was in talks uh, uh, for the 2020-2021 season. And, um, of course, no stranger to playing in uh, Europe. He played in Holland during the walkout and where he earned his... Uh, moniker um, a Dutch Gretzky um, but according to the uh, to, to the iSport website uh, both uh, Dale Weiss and uh, Michael Froelich, uh were uh, targets uh, for their imports. They had discussions um, and so Dale had to come out and went, once this got out in the Montreal media uh, this week he had to come out and say well there's no agreement and I'm hoping to come back but you know uh, obviously, yeah. there were discussions. Uh, it's just very awkward. Uh, he has to say, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm focused on the playoffs and all that. And his agent, Eleanor Rois said, uh, we're just we're just weighing all of our options for next year. So um, the other thing that was noted is that uh Dale Weiss, who's active on social media, uh, has been liking and commenting on Lausanne uh, Instagram posts. Uh, so um, okay, uh-huh. If that in the means age anything?
1: Of, in the age of social media, everything is <laughs> put into that type of thing. So that, that means everything. So, but the one thing that I'm curious about now is does he become then Swiss Gretzky, or is he like ah. Swiss Lemieux? Or what happens with that? Like, That's is there good gonna question. be a <laughs> we'll we'll move on. We'll move on before we get too tied up in that. Uh, we have um, a rather interesting, and we said we're gonna be discussing the Habs, Pens, qualification round series in segment two. But uh, Rick, you know, so now with with this just around the corner, it's starting tonight, getting getting rolling in the next couple of days. You have predictions coming out about each of the series and who's gonna do what, who's gonna win, who's gonna advance. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens uh, got zero out of 16 NHL.com writers uh, picking them oh, no. to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in what can only be described as probably the uh, least surprising thing. To come out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it makes sense, but uh, probably is that bulletin board material? More bulletin board material for the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens?
2: Well, this has been uh, labeled the most uh, lopsided of series, but it only, as we started uh, last week. So you're saying there's a chance, it, it only reinforces <laughs> that underdog role. And uh, we have, you know, uh, NHL.com, they came out, nobody wants to pick the Canadiens. Uh, La journal lamoral uh, on the uh, the press zone on uh, this earlier this week we had JF Chaumont uh, from La journal The yep. journal lamor uh, writers um, there were two that picked the Canadians including Rajan Tremblay, who said with a, a little nudge nudge wink wink that the Canadians will sweep the uh, <laughs> Uh, the Penguins. So, um, you know, he's having a a little fun with it, but I think, (laughs) yeah, I think it's clear that, that the Canadians, uh, are underdogs and I think they're embracing that role and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: So while you have the NHL.com writers, zero out of 16 of them picking the Montreal Canadians to beat the Penguins on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have PK Subban Mm. who thinks that Carey Price can steal the series for the Montreal Canadians. And thinking about PK Subban he was there in 2014 he was there for Price's marvelous season in 2015 so he's seen Carey Price steal games and series for the Montreal Canadiens so perhaps uh, drawing from that experience
2: this is player turned analyst now uh, given that uh, <laughs> not uh, involved anymore uh PK PK Subban and uh he really hedges his bets doesn't doesn't he cuz he said he that if, if he has to put his money down it's going on on Pittsburgh, but still thinks that uh, the Canadians uh, might be able to steal this series. And if they do, there's only one reason uh, and one player only, and that's Carey Price. Carey Price can, um, in P.K. Subban's opinion, make this uh, series interesting and, uh, and could steal it. Uh, but he said, I'm not betting against Sidney Crosby, whom he still considers the best player in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think that would be a you'd be you'd be smart with your money in that sense to not, to put to put your money on Pittsburgh I think is the right move. But one thing I will say about PK Subban, and we were talking about this before the show. Say what you want. He goes to bat for Carey Price in the media talking about how great a goalie he is. You know, there's a game I remember. I think it was a game against the New Jersey Devils this season earlier this season where the Devils came from behind and beat the Montreal Canadiens or they uh, they allowed the Canadiens allowed uh, uh, however many goals and PK Subban was like, "Well, listen, Carey Price isn't going to do it all for him." So that, you know, he's a great goaltender but he can't do it all. So uh, that that's one thing I will say about P.K. Subban. Uh, moving on to what's becoming quickly my favorite segment. Uh, they said <laughs> what? <laughs> and we had a lot of material to draw from this yeah, week, we given the fact that the, the games, the Montreal Canadiens were looking forward to getting back on the ice and the exhibition game against the Leafs. And, and after the fact, of course, you got players commenting on what it was like to play in that atmosphere. Uh, one of the players that commented on the atmosphere of playing without fans in attendance uh, was Jonathan Drouin.
2: He was. And um, uh, Jonathan Drouin spoke um, in English first and said, uh, you know, it was tough. There, there wasn't any fans in the building. Uh, no atmosphere, no energy, nothing happening. Uh, the, our detail wasn't there. All good comments. And then he spoke in French. Uh, and we don't often play uh, French clips, and we'll explain what it, what, uh, what he's getting at. Uh, but here's Jonathan Duran.
1: Yeah, like Zook said, um, you know, it's the first game in
3: know, four months, so no fans. It was a little odd. It was obviously different for everyone. And, um, but on the ice, part, obviously the details weren't there. But um, you know, it's hard to just put one game we haven't played in months, and I think everyone's more. Trying to get back to like like say game shape all that stuff. We're trying to get back. We don't have much time, so we got to be ready for Saturday
1: and, and make sure we're way more detailed and way more on the puck than we were
3: yesterday. It's game
2: So what he says there at the end is and and uh, the first part, no problem. Nope. Um, second part, he's he said. Um, again, about the no atmosphere, but he said, there was more atmosphere for my games in Double B Adam Hockey in Montreux Blanc, uh, and that kind of struck people a little bit funny.
1: <laughs> well, the thing that I will say about Jonathan Drewan, and I think we talked about this, was that he speaks, like, more passionately about his play in lower levels than he does at the present moment playing professionally in the NHL, it's like it's almost as if, you know, you you talk about when you played lower level sports, any guy or any any person playing lower lower level sports will talk about their their glory days playing in high school or whatever. And Jonathan Joanne as a professional athlete goes back and does that almost, you know, we, we, we talked about it when he was going back and watching clips of, you know, Quebec major junior league hockey.
2: It's odd. it's 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 really quite odd. and And the one part is is um, yeah, dissing the atmosphere. Does he really want twenty thousand fans in in the building? Yeah. Um, but then going back and and it kind of you can you you can feel the mindset and and you watch him uh, his body language, you watch his eyes uh, when he's saying these things. and it's it's obvious that his his idyllic view of the game is the game that he played prior to turning pro. Uh, you know these long uh, weaving rushes, puck possession rushes up the ice, uh, little or no body contact, and uh, no defensive responsibility. And um, <laughs> you know that's that seems to be what he enjoys most. The three on three kind only time he gets it now is the three on three. And we saw, uh, you know, it's the reason that that sometimes he makes the mistakes he does. And we saw uh, when Paul Byron. Uh, brought the game within one this week uh, against the Leafs it was Jonathan Drouin uh that was at fault for the Leafs fourth goal opening up that that two two goal lead again and um you you think is he daydreaming about <laughs> about junior <laughs> there or what what's happening
1: yeah um it, it, it's really it, it's it's you know and and Jonathan Drouin I think earlier in the game he had a nice play where he stole the puck and had a nice opportunity in the offensive zone. But that's what you get. You get that little inconsistency where later on in the game, he's the guy at fault when they get back that two-goal lead. So, yeah, um, perhaps he was daydreaming about junior hockey. But uh, <laughs> moving on to a guy, you talked about defensive responsibilities. Moving on to a guy who's got a, who's going to be shouldering a lot of defensive responsibilities against the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's Shea Weber. And being the captain of this team, Shea Weber – is in a position where he's going to be asked questions about the team's mindset and really what they're what where they are in terms of you know sort of uh, their their mood and their their feelings entering this series and and he said that this is a team that uh, is looking at this as an opportunity.
3: Um, we're excited. It's uh, almost like a new season start here as uh, as everyone's kind of in the same spot. No momentum, no nothing. And, um, you know,
2: you don't really know what's going to happen, obviously. You don't want guys to get too worked up or too nervous and, and think too much about it. And then you're not really playing. The excitement's there. Definitely feel the excitement. But, uh, you know, the guys have handled it
3: pretty well so far. We're a team that uh, needs to play fast, needs to use our speed. We're a young team that... Uh, plays with enthusiasm. When we play with that enthusiasm, we're good. So um, like I guess we'll respect our opponent. We know uh, how much experience they have and how good they are, but uh, we can't be intimidated and, and we got to be ready for it.
2: So channeling that enthusiasm uh, and excitement and not being intimidated and uh, talking about the the lack of experience. He, he also said, you know, uh, he doesn't have uh, Uh, a lot of the younger players coming to him for advice, and he he thinks that's a good thing because uh, it means that that they're accepting this. Uh, They're not afraid of it. So um, I I think he set a nice tone uh, on Friday at at the press conference.
1: And one of the things that he said there was the the need for the Montreal Canadiens to play fast, and that was something that Claude Julien also touched on in one of his availabilities this week.
4: And here's Claude. We'll take a few more for coach Pat Hickey, Montreal Gazette. Oh, Pat, <laughs> Pat, <laughs> Pat.
2: Oh no.
1: Is he there? You have a question, Pat? Got to unmute yourself.
4: Yeah, Sorry. I just said trouble oh. on me myself. Claude, uh, <laughs> have you figured out uh, who the third uh, defense pair is going to be? Uh... Well, no, I mean, we, we've, we've put some extra D's in there uh, for the sake of practice. It's as simple as that. And then the, uh, tomorrow we'll make our final decision there but uh you know we have we have an idea what we want to do here i think right now we're keeping everybody on their toes and everybody ready it's pretty obvious when when we when we move the puck well when we play fast we you know, the puck comes out of our own end. Uh, when we play fast, we're able to kill plays quickly. When we play fast, our, our transition game is good. When we play fast, our forecheck is good. Our scoring chances are good. So, you know, we, we've relied a lot on on our, our on playing fast, and it's not about, you know, all speed and, and all recklessness. But I think it's playing fast and the facet of the game that we think is important for us. It doesn't matter, uh, I think, when you look at our top three uh, our top three are going to play, and then there's somebody is going to be uh, put in a position to play sometimes with Petrie regularly, or, or once in a while bumped up. And uh, depends on who's playing well and who's having a good game. Uh, we're in playoffs here, so we got to be uh, able to put the best players and give the best players the m- most ice time of uh, of the group. So uh, hopefully uh, all six of them are playing well, where we can uh, spread it out. And uh, if not, then we'll have to demand more minutes from certain guys, and then hope that somebody uh, steps in there and then gives us at least the top four. So. We, we shouldn't feel ashamed of being here. If anything, we should thrive on the opportunity and uh, we should take advantage of it. And I think, you know, we've got a young team and we know we're going to have to be playing, uh, you know, as best we can, maybe even over, over our heads if we uh, plan on, on moving forward here.
2: And again, there's that line. Um, we shouldn't be embarrassed. We may need to play over our heads. And we had heard Kerry Price uh, say that uh, during the the, uh, the training camp. Um, uh, and we started with uh, some difficulties. That that's a continuation uh, from uh, <laughs> something we had played last week or the week before about uh, Paddy and some of the media having trouble with the the Zoom calls. Um, and just just teasing uh, uh, teasing our colleagues. But uh, you heard some yeah. important things by Claude Julien uh, there, talking about uh, the third pairing defense. Uh, And it's really half of the defense uh, because he's going to, as he said, rely on his top three guys, Sherratt, Weber, and Petrie, a lot. They will play a lot. The other guys will kind of mix and match. uh, And we know that uh, he said there he was kind of keeping his cards close to his vest. But uh, the announcement has been made today that it will be Victor Mehta and Xavier Ouellette in the lineup.
1: Do you think he wants them to play fast? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he does. That's right. There's a drinking uh, game for you. <laughs> oh, no, that'd be too dangerous. Um, moving on to, as we talked about earlier, Alexander Romanov. So Alexander Romanov, yes, we talked about him sitting in the hotel room with a guard sat just outside of his room. So obviously, with all of that behind him, happy to be with his teammates uh, on the ice. And uh, he talked a little bit about what he expects to, to go in and, 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 and gain from this experience.
4: We have Alexander Romanoff from the Montreal Canadians as a reminder, media, please ask your question slowly and clearly for Alexander. If you have a question, please use the raise hand function. We'll start with Patrick Hickey from the Montreal Gazette.
1: Pat,
2: are
4: you there, Pat? All right. Is he there? Pat, do you have a question for Alexander? You have to unmute yourself. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I just sort
3: of lowered my hand. Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay. False alarm.
2: Yeah.
3: Moving around now. It's alarm. true. I'm. I'm on the team. I'm so happy because I'm with Montreal Canadiens now. I just want to train with 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 this team, with my team, with Habs. Uh, be 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 with guys and uh, support them. Uh, auto playoffs. Uh, I want to go back home and uh, uh, and uh, have a rest, uh, have a rest there, uh, there and uh, come back in Montreal and ready for season. Uh, it was so nervous, so nervous. Uh, uh, the last week was so boring. Uh, I'm sitting only in one room in hotel, and and I can leave, and, uh, I can leave the room uh, with security guy uh, outside. Uh, he's sitting in a chair uh, near, the, near the door. Uh, it was so boring and nervous. Uh, i just waiting when I, can, uh, when I can go to the ice with, uh, with guys, with Montreal Canadians. I can say that uh, everyone in this team is uh, good players, uh, these guys who, who play in NHL.
4: is the
2: best guys uh, in the world the best guys in the world he's excited he's he's yeah he's excited to be out of the room but he's he was really excited to be on the ice uh and practicing again there to to uh learn there to experience what it's like and and there to admire uh, for now his, uh, his uh, teammates uh, the best in the world the only thing I, I, I thought as I listened to him and, and uh, he's young and, and he's excited wouldn't it be nice to have uh, a couple of fellow Russians uh, there to, to help him through yeah. this and, and after that purge uh, of, the, of all the Russians it, it, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that he's not there that, that they aren't yeah. there
1: Exactly. It would be great to have some sort of, uh, you know, role model for him coming in that you know speaks uh, speaks Russian, speaks the same language that can ease that transition for him. Uh, but you said that he's excited about a lot of things. I also think he was excited to show off that amazing panda shirt. That was <laughs> I love that. That was that was great. Some personality uh, added for the Montreal Canadiens for sure. Uh, so Rick, moving on to the impact of the coronavirus stories that we've been tracking throughout this entire process, and that include includes uh, the NHL bubbles and we got to see broadcasts without fans for the first time uh, for the NHL. And uh, what did you think about the setups that they have in both Toronto and Edmonton?
2: Boy, I, you know, uh, the look was good. The, the tarps in the lower bowl, um, yeah. n- no no netting on, on either end. Um, it, it looked pretty good. And we're, we're told uh, that we've only seen about a twelfth of, of what's, uh, what it's going to look like. Uh, they've set up uh, uh, the giant screens, LED screens and, and video screens along one side. Uh, they've upped the number of cameras from 20 to 32, including the um, what I had heard before, the JITICAM that hangs from the scoreboard and uh, f- follows overhead from uh, the back of the power play and those kind of ah. things. Um, there's, uh, the, the crowd sounds, uh, that they, uh, purchased from EA sports, um, <laughs> uh, which I think sounded okay. I, yeah. I think other than, then the crowds cheering, uh, throughout, throughout the anthem being sung, that was, uh, that was kind of odd. Um, yeah, I think somebody missed the, the mute button there. And, and um, Mike Rossi, the the uh, uh, Leafs uh, PA announcer had announced two anthems. Uh, and and just one was played. So there's some hiccups here and there. Um, you know there was a five second de- delay on the broadcast so that you wouldn't hear uh things you weren't supposed to hear uh <laughs> you know we don't have a a team full of doug jervises who who refused mm. to swear so um <laughs> uh, they had to put that in um i you know it, it was it was pretty good uh, uh for one uh, for some of the broadcasts, the edmonton broadcast we heard chris cuthbert welcome back chris cuthbert yeah he sounded great um louis de tone it down you talk too much (laughs) we need to hear more Chris yeah um I I don't know I I I thought it wasn't bad the only thing that I worry about or one of the things I worry about is the ice the ice was terrible um with for the the Canadians uh Leafs game and when you're going to be having two and three games a day um you know uh, it's August August in Toronto it's hot and um there's humidity now. We don't have the doors opening. We don't have fans coming in, so they're able to control the humidity better. However, uh, it's still warm, and uh, and you have all that traffic uh, with with multiple games a day. And what we don't know is the effect of those big, high-powered, one-side the heat generated by those uh, LED screens. Uh, what's that going to have effect? And and besides the heat. Um, you know, I'm biased. I I think about what are the goaltender is going to think about this. Um, what's this going to do for puck tracking? Uh, are you know yeah. are pucks going to get from the 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 uh, goaltender's perspective? Are they going to get lost in those screens? Um, so anyway, I I you know I had. I had all kinds of thoughts, some positive, some negative, but but for the most part, I thought uh, the NHL did a pretty good job in uh, in in putting together uh, a product that's enjoyable to to watch uh, from home.
1: And, and you touched on all bases there. The one thing I'm going to to. Uh Talk about is the tarps that they had on the lower bowl seats because the thing that's been jarring about watching the MLB is that you have these empty stadiums with, and I mean, you are not going to do what the NHL did for like you know uh, ballparks with you know fifty thousand plus seats. It's just not going to happen. But you know that's the thing is, I mean, it's uh, they they covered that up so it's not quite as jarring. And uh, yeah, the monitors, all the things that they have included in the arena, I, I think it looks great. We'll see how it all goes. Of course, this is something that we've been tracking for multiple weeks, so we'll keep tracking it as time goes on, uh, and see. Uh, you said it's only one twelfth of what the NHL actually has, what, so we'll see. It. Maybe, yeah, that's what maybe
2: some uh, more Steve stuff.
1: So we might see some more stuff yet. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. I just talked about the MLB, just an update on a story that we tracked last week with the Toronto Blue Jays, just days before their season began, not knowing where they'd be playing their home games and even days into the season, not knowing where they'd be playing their home games. Uh, So the MLB's plan is quickly uh, falling apart because the Miami Marlins had 18 players test positive for the coronavirus. There's been five plus positive tests in the Cardinals organization, a couple in the Phillies organization. Yeah, it um, it's not going well. I said the Jays were emblematic of the MLB's lack of a plan. Well, the Miami Marlins, I think, uh, you know, it's not to say that the Jays aren't emblematic of the MLB's lack of a plan, but uh, the Miami Marlins even more so. Uh, and the MLB could be shutting down their season if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the virus. This is what Rob Manfred told uh, Tony Clark, the head of the MLB Players Association. So this is, uh, it doesn't look good for the MLB going forward. Uh, But, Rick, with with that said, we will uh, take a break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we're going to be focusing in on the big questions for the Montreal Canadiens entering this qualification round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Questions like, can Carey Price steal the series? Like P.K. Subban said that he might be able to. So we're going to get to that question and many more. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team visit allhabs.net and click the join our team tab today in every city around the world sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints some good grub and to cheer for their team think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news? With game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe whalen 19 uh, With me in studio is our president, founder of Rocket Sports, uh, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Um, so, Rick, as we said, we're going to be discussing some of the major questions for the Montreal Canadians in this qualification round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, As we said, 0 out of 16 of the NHL.com writers picked the Montreal Canadiens. They are the underdogs in this series, and they're embracing that role, as they should. But Rick, we'll start with the question, I think, because we have to remember back to when all of this was being sort of discussed and the hypothetical situations about what these series would look like for the qualification round. And Carey Price was somebody that was brought up as being... A reason as to why you can't do a best of three because Carey Price can steal two games rather easily. Stealing three out of five a little bit more of a difficult thing to do. So when you're looking at this matchup, realistically, can Carey Price steal this series for the Montreal Canadiens?
2: I think, and I think you answer that yes or and no. Um, I, I, I think, as <laughs> Carey Price himself said. Um, you know, I, I can elevate my play. We can all elevate our play, but but I need I, I need my teammates here. And that was, those were the words of, of Kerry uh, himself. He said he couldn't do it alone. Um, you know, I looked at one of the Pens Penguins analysts uh, said, Price is magnificent, but he's only one player. And I think that's kind of where I, I sit on this. Um, far be it for me to argue with, uh, Scotty Bowman. Uh, but he was asked about this question, uh, can pra- Carey Price steal the series? And he said, Price will keep games close, but goaltenders can only do so much. And, and that kind of reminded me of, of, um, Patrick Waugh in 93, the last Stanley Cup. And, and what, you know, we know that Patrick Waugh 10 straight overtime wins, uh, Patrick Waugh was making the saves. But we forget someone was scoring those game winning over, uh, overtime goals for the Canadians, yeah. so even Patrick Waugh needed help there, and I think the same applies in this case,
1: yeah. And I mean, when you're looking at, like I said, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs presented an interesting challenge for the Montreal Canadiens in that exhibition game because this is what is going to be. I mean, you're looking at a team that is, I won't say is built in a similar way, but you have Austin Matthews and John Tavares, and that's pretty good practice for playing against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, as good as you're probably going to get. So what we saw in that game was defensive errors. You had the pinch from Ben Chirot early the, early, early on in the game, 33 seconds in to be exact. Gallagher not covering up for his defenseman. You had guys not tying up guys in front. You had Uh, shorthanded breakaway, those are not the chance you have to contain at least a little bit your opposition in order for Carey Price to give you a chance to win these games. If you are giving up those types of chances consistently, you are not going to go very far. And that's what we saw from the Montreal Canadiens this year was that Carey Price would make the first save, maybe make the second one, but it's third, fourth, fifth opportunities in front where guys aren't being tied up is where guys would be making, making Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens pay. So that is where I think this is all going to lead, is Carey Price, yeah, he can keep things close and he can make big saves for you, but you're going to need to help him out, as he said, and as you just said, um, because, yeah, goalies can only do so much. Right. Um, So with that said, I kind of teased the next question with the last one. Can the Canadians defend two elite centers? And this is, you know, this is the, the challenge with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin for the past 10 years. Every Eastern Conference team that's had to play them has had to do this, but can the Montreal Canadians do it?
2: Boy, um, y- you know, you look at those those two lines, um, uh, Crosby with Gensel and Sherry, uh, Malkin with uh, Jason Zucker and Brian Rust. Brian Rust, who's uh, people forget about, but uh, he had a great season. He um, did. And uh, Thomas Pekanitz was uh, interviewed this past week, and He's he's defended uh, Sidney Crosby. He's got under the skin of Sidney Crosby, yeah. Um, and he was he was asked was well, so how do you do it? Uh, what advice do you have for Phil Deneau, uh on Crosby? Uh, just talking about Crosby alone. Um, and Plakanitz said, you know, uh, I didn't. Um, it it ha- when you're defending Crosby, it has to be a five man unit working together. It takes a complete five man unit uh, to defend against Crosby, and then presumably the same thing against Malkin because, yeah, they have two elite centers uh, that they can throw at you.
1: And, yeah, before you ask if they can defend two elite centers, I think you need to ask if they can defend one elite (laughs) center because you have to think, okay, who's going to be playing against Sidney Crosby? Most likely Philip Deneau. Who's going to be playing um, him on the back end? Most likely Shea Weber, and he's most likely going to be playing with Ben Chirot. So, you know, I think that you have got, one guy and Shea Weber that is capable at being a part of that five-man unit that Thomas Placanet speaks of. But the merits of the other two, I think, are very much, you you can put those into question. So it's not going to be uh, an easy task. It's going to be a very tall order. And yeah, it's it's going to really test the Montreal Canadiens. Because, okay, if you have Philip Deneau playing against Sidney Crosby, who draws Evgeny Malkin? Is it going to be Nick Suzuki? Is it going to be... Isbury, cut Is it going to be Max Domi? Probably not Max Domi. Um, so you're looking at a young guy that's probably going to take on a big role in this series potentially. Um, but Rick, I think the one thing that we do know about the Montreal Canadiens heading into this is that they have a lot of bulletin board material, be it the 0 out of 16 uh, NHL.com writers, uh, be it the athletic poll there last week, whatever you want to look at. But you also have words from Zach Aston-Reese of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who uh, is not quite sure who the Montreal Canadiens' first line is.
2: He, uh, yeah, the we're, the Canadiens fans are talking about, and as we did in, in uh, the, with the last question, talking about who will defend against Crosby and uh, Dano Tatar and Gallagher. Uh, but Zach Aston-Reese uh, just wasn't up to date on on who was on the first line. <laughs> And caused a bit of a, a stir uh, on uh, social media, and uh, for my money, I, you know, um, uh, is this likely to be bulletin board material? I I don't know. Uh, this is probably a bigger deal for the fans than it uh, will be for the players.
1: Yeah, uh, I would say the same thing. I don't think that uh, that it's it should be taken too personally. And also, I mean. These guys haven't played for four months, so they Mm -hmm. might just forget. (laughs) Uh, So, Rick, next question. Can the Canadians take advantage of a goalie controversy that might be forming in Pittsburgh with Matt Murray? Of course, Matt Murray with two Stanley Cup rings. And Tristan Jari, who at times this season looked like he was going to sort of take the reins uh, from Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. So... What are your thoughts on on the goalie controversy? I know that you you like to talk about you you have a passion for talking about goalies as you just did for the situation in Toronto, the bubbles, and the and Edmonton for that matter.
2: Well, from my viewing, um, Tristan Jerry is is the better goaltender, and mm-hmm. um, I actually had a, a a talk with Charlie Lindgren about uh, Tristan Jarry. knows him a little bit, and uh, I I I honestly think he's he's the better goaltender. However. Uh, Matt Murray. Um, and I'm not saying this because Matt Murray's from Thunder Bay. I'm not <laughs> saying that he's not uh, saying, okay, no, uh, I, okay. um, uh, he, he's the, the two time Stanley cup champ And, and, um, you know, y- you, you kind of have to, y- you kind of have to go there first with yeah. somebody, uh, you know, waiting in the wings that uh, isn't equal or, or or maybe better. And I think that's uh, the announcement was just made just as we went to, to air today that Coach Mike Sullivan uh, is going to go with uh, Matt Murray and, and uh, Jimmy Rutherford kind of uh, signaled that that was coming. Uh, so it's not a surprise. The quote from uh, Sullivan is, well, we believe we have two great goalies and both of these guys are going to give us a chance to win. Matt has obviously shown the ability to be at his best when stakes are high, and that should uh, provide some confidence for him going into a playoff environment like this. So we're unfortunate to have the guys we have. Matt has certainly shown the ability to be at his best at this time of the year. We'll take each uh, game as it comes, and we're really happy that Matt is uh, was born in Thunder. No, he didn't say, he didn't okay. say anything. No, he didn't say anything about it. <laughs>
1: Now this is an interesting question for me because as you said, uh, and I I believe Tristan Jarry is the better goaltender as well, and that was the perception in the in the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins organization for years that leading up to Matt Murray's you know sort of arrival in 2016, and he won the Stanley Cup champion was like, well wait a second, there's a guy behind him that we think is actually better than than that guy that just won the Stanley Cup and then won it the year after. And now what you have is a situation where, let's say, for example, the Montreal Canadiens jump out to an early two-goal lead in one of these games. And Mike Sullivan, being the guy that he is, being the tremendous coach that he is, uh, wants to fire up the guys a little bit. So he pulls the goalie and gets him going a little bit, because we know that that happens. And uh, we know these are prideful guys, especially in Pittsburgh, where there's a culture of winning. Um, And then anyways, you bring in Tristan Jari, So the job isn't done. You've scored two goals early. Congratulations. But then you have to deal with Tristan Jari and the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are a high-powered offensive team that can get back in just about any game. So that's the thing where I think for this, I don't know if the Canadians can take advantage of any goalie controversy or anything like that because they're two really good goaltenders, as you said. So you get yourself in a situation where even if you beat one, well, then the other guy's coming in and he's pretty good. So (laughs) it's going to be a difficult situation for the Montreal Canadiens to navigate another dif- another difficult situation for the Canadiens to navigate will be the battle of special teams because uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty one sided and the exhibition game did not inspire a whole lot of confidence when it came to the especially the power play uh, that that had its uh, certainly had its struggles other than uh, Nick Suzuki at the end of a power play but it kind of you know it generated during the power play and then he slid the pass over to. T- Tatar, but beyond that, not much positive to take out for the Montreal Canadiens special teams. And you have the Pittsburgh Penguins, who uh, make you pay when you take a penalty.
2: Yeah, this this could uh, special teams could be a big difference in this in the series and uh, on the negative side for the Montreal Canadiens. You talked about um, you know both 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 special teams were kind of in the bottom third of the, the. uh, league all season long. Um, they've spent the uh, the pause trying to sort out the power play. As you said, zero for six. Didn't look good uh, <laughs> the other night. Um, and uh, going up against uh, the Penguins, who have one of the best penalty kills in the league. Uh, they are really good on, on, on the penalty kill. And you might think it's the other way around, but uh, their power play was just about average. Now, Probably that's going to have injuries had something to do with that. And they have a ton of firepower to throw at um, uh, on the power play. But they were just kind of average during the season. But uh, uh, yeah, Uh, special teams could be a a, a difficult time for the Montreal Canadiens best to uh, stay out of the box
1: yeah, uh, and we're going to be touching on uh, some difference makers potentially later on uh, in this segment. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of firepower. You can certainly say that about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but Rick, which coach do you think is going to have more of an impact on this series? I just said, uh, you know Mike Sullivan's a tremendous head coach. obviously, two Stanley Cup rings uh, in in recent years, only not too long ago were the Pittsburgh Penguins back to back Stanley Cup champions. So do you view that as being the advantage for the Pittsburgh Penguins in this series?
2: Um, Claude Julien, I mean, he, he has, he has, with the help of his uh, assistants, he's modified his style. He loves the big heavy, um, you know, the fourth line um, yeah. <laughs> and still sees that as having a role. He's modified that to more of a speed game. They play a very structured game, uh, a, very much a possession game, uh, and the Canadians have excelled at that, but they don't have the uh, skill to finish. And uh, with some of of uh, uh, Claude's uh, tendencies, uh, he hasn't necessarily taken full advantage uh, of his roster. Mike Sullivan uh, is is certainly one of the the best coaches in the league. Uh, I was a bit surprised not to see him in uh, the Jack Adams as a Jack Adams nominee, uh, yeah. especially given that the the Pittsburgh Penguins this season were most impacted, more than any other team in the league, impacted by um, injuries. Yet Mike Sullivan was still able to put a, a competitive, uh, top notch product on the ice. Uh, his attention to detail is incredible. Um, and he also has something that that uh, Julien doesn't have, and that's that ability to make pregame and in-game adjustments. Uh, and and he does that exceptionally well.
1: Yeah, I think for better or for worse, I think the impact as, as, it, as it pertains to head coaches in this series, I think it's going to be Claude Julien that has more of an impact, um, whether it means that the Montreal Canadiens are successful and 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 give a fight to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins or it's the other way around He will have more of an impact on this series because I mean you look at Mike Sullivan Obviously Mike Sullivan as I said is a fantastic head coach and one that I think other if it weren't for the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are almost expected To do what the Pittsburgh Penguins do every year, which is compete in in spite of whatever challenges there might be um, He should have been a nominee for the Jack Adams award, but regardless Uh, He's got some fantastic players that will probably be a little bit more impactful on the Pittsburgh Penguins side. Um, At least that's how I view this. Um, But Rick, the one thing that hangs over all of this, and this goes for both the NHL and the NBA, is this bubble format, because there are a lot of uncertainties even now. I mean, like I said, you want to believe that this is going to work and there, you know, early returns are great and there's belief that it will work. But, you know, it almost feels like it's a luxury or that, you know, like Jay Baruchel said that, you know, it's almost it, it doesn't feel like I'll be watching it. But, it, you know, it's it's still really strange. But do you think that that format and all of the conditions surrounding it are going to play a role in this series? Uh,
2: you'd think they have to. And and I kind of look at, um, you know, the conditions. And I, I mentioned earlier about the ice um, ice was terrible, uh, for Canadians leaves. It, it was also, uh, the, the players, uh, Canadians players complained about the brassard ice, uh, yeah. during training camp. But the other night the puck was bouncing all over the place. And, uh, whether there's an advantage there for non-skilled, if you can, <laughs> players, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. but, uh, is that going to, uh, have an effect? What about the health? Um, and, uh, and I'm talking about the non-coronavirus health. Uh, Sidney Crosby is believed to have an abdominal core injury. Uh, is he going to be at his best? Does he need to be at his best? Yeah. Um, with this short training camp, are there going to be uh, little injuries, pulls, groins, those kinds of things that, that uh, pop up to take players out of the uh, lineup? And then the coronavirus uh, uh, elephant in the room, elephant in the bubble, um, you know, can the bubble hold, uh, that's the question. And, and it is yeah. so far, uh, yeah. but, um, you know, it's, it's not a sealed bubble. Uh, I think people are, are, uh, talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the protocols, which are great, uh, to, to keep the players in and the players don't go anywhere. Don't go out. There's a sealed pathway between the Royal York hotel and Scotiabank, uh, arena, All of this is excellent. However, there's all of those servers and ancillary employees uh, who come and go every night, uh, in and out of the bubble. And uh, how careful are they being? And we had uh, Dale Weiss uh, earlier this week um, sending a tweet to Brandon, former teammate Brandon Prust. And his tweet said, had our server wearing his mask around his neck last night at dinner. So we're going to see how this goes, Prusty, LOL uh, there, this, this is a bit of a concern for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly something that you, you want to believe is going to work and, and, you know, but like you have to put faith in that as well, that the outside, you know, the people working in the hotel, all those things, it's, it's going to be something to watch for sure. Um, but Rick moving on to, I think what will be ultimately the most important question, who will be, The difference maker for the canadians and for the penguins who do you view in that way for
2: the canadians it as um others uh, have said it has to be carrie price if the canadians are going to um, somehow miraculously get past uh, this very talented penguins team uh with an honorable mention to um, uh, paul byron who i thought Paul Byron looked pretty good. Uh, yeah. While the Canadians didn't looked a little slow uh, the other night, um, I thought Paul Byron had his speed. Um, we we heard that Paul Byron didn't want to come back. He didn't want to leave his family, but I guess he figures. Listen, I'm here now. I'm going to make something of this. So uh, I thought he uh, looked good the other night.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, I think for the Montreal Canadiens, and we talked about this guy last week. The potential to be a difference maker, we know that Carey Price is going to be the guy that's looked at as the guy that could steal the series for the Montreal Canadiens. But I think the guy that could be the biggest difference maker for the Canadiens is Philip Deneau. Because whether or not he takes this, if he steps up and he is going to be the guy, because we talked about people that thought that maybe he should have been a Selkie Trophy finalist last week. If he takes on this responsibility of going up against Sidney Crosby, and we know that that's not an easy thing to do. As Tomas Plakanić said, it takes a five-man unit. Philip Deneau is going to be the guy that matches up on, on, against him when it comes to the face-offs, when it comes against you know positionally. He will be matching up against Sidney Crosby. And whether or not he is successful in doing that And what I don't know what successful I don't know how you define successful in this uh, scenario, whether it's only holding him to one point or two points because he's Sidney Crosby at the end of the day. Uh, But regardless, he has, I believe, the potential to be the difference maker for the Montreal Canadiens. And if he's not, then you're going to see very quickly that he should not have been in consideration for the Selkie Trophy. Like I said, it's a difficult job. (laughs) I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy. But when you're talking about difference makers, I think the conversation has to start with who is going to be playing against Sidney Crosby for the lion's share of the evening. And that's going to be Philip Deneau.
2: So just to support that, uh, here's the thing. Who is in the, who is in the conversation uh, for the Selkie? Uh, and that's uh, Sean Couturier. Uh, mm-hmm. we, saw, we saw the Penguins versus the Flyers uh, in their uh, tune-up game. And Sidney Crosby was kept to zero shots. That's a yeah. that's a that's a Selke nominee. Uh, Philip DeNoe, if he wants to be discussed in that category, he has to do exactly the same thing.
1: Yep, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, moving on to the Penguins, uh, Rick. Who do you view as being the difference maker for a team that obviously has a lot of guys that could be difference makers?
2: Well, you know, I had a tough time. I had a real tough time, and it was because of that. Uh, there was too many difference makers. And, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was like, I, I looked at the, the lineup, and I was making my notes. And so I, I think that's the, that's the issue. Um, if 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 Deneau does an amazing job and blankets Crosby uh, like Sean Couturier, uh, there's Evgeny Malkin, and uh, that second line of Malkin, Rust, Zucker, they could have their way. Uh, Malkin could be a difference maker, uh, or or Rust, who, as said earlier, has had a has a great season. Is it the third line? Jared McCann, um, uh, Patrick Marlowe, Hornquist. Jared McCann yeah. uh, could he take advantage of of Jesperi Kotkaniemi? I, we'll we'll see. Or is it somebody like uh, John Marino, who's had a terrific season uh, for the Penguins on defense and has chipped in with with some offense? Um, The point is, uh, you know, I've got a handful of guys there, and any one of them could be a difference maker.
1: And for me, uh, the guy that I settled on ultimately... And obviously, like you said, lots of guys that could be difference makers for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Isn't that a luxury to have a lot of really talented hockey players? Uh, But for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think when they went into this, going into, you know, back, back in March, like we said, when we were discussing episode 75 of the Canadians Connection podcast, when the season was paused, but just before that, a couple of weeks before, and you go back to the trade deadline, just before that period, they acquire... Jason Zucker thinking, well, we're not going to have Jake Gensel. We need to solidify our top six. We need to go out and get some guys that can chip in offensively, play with Crosby and Malkin and do all those sorts of things. Well, now they got Jake Gensel. (laughs) So Jake Gensel being the key cog that he was over the last number of years, scoring some big goals for them in their playoff runs. I think that that's going to be ultimately the difference maker because I think that's going to give them a shot in the arm too Is the fact that they didn't think that they were gonna have this guy and here he comes here He's he's back playing again and they've got even more firepower than they thought they were going to have. They have Jason Zucker and Jake Gensel now, in addition to having, as you said, a, a really solid third line. They pick up Patrick Marlowe, get some more experience. And Patrick Marlowe, of course, still searching for that Stanley Cup. So maybe his experience and 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 his desire to add to his resume might uh, put them over the top as well, but I had to say Jake Gensel just for the fact that they get him back when they weren't expecting to have him for their playoff run. So for me, uh, I think it, it will be uh, it will be Gensel in the end, but obviously lots of guys to choose from. They also got Brian Dumoulin back, which that'll be, that'll be nice for them to have as well. Uh, So Rick, with that said, I think we've asked the biggest questions facing the Montreal Canadians in this qualification round series as it gets going tonight, eight Eastern, nine 30 Newfoundland time. Um, Just remember that eight Eastern though. Um, (laughs) So Rick, we will take a quick break. Our final break here on the Canadians connection podcast. When we come back, we'll look at the uh, bracket challenge winners that we've uh, discovered Uh, through our ongoing uh, challenge that we've been doing over on Twitter at Habs Connection on Twitter. So stay with us. We'll be back with those after a quick break.
0: The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs! The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans.
1: And welcome back to episode 95 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. And uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit our website at Canadiansconnection.com. Um, Rick, given I just mentioned the Twitter account at Habs Connection, what we've been doing throughout this pause is posting polls, you know, of mon- members of the Montreal Canadiens in the 2000s onwards mm-hmm. to present, 2000 to 2020. to to just sort of keep Habs fans engaged. You know, that's what we do here. We inform, we engage, and we entertain. And we at least try to do that uh, on a week-to-week basis. And one way that we have been doing that is with this bracket challenge. And we want to thank our colleague, Mike Raschel, because he was the one that brought that to our attention to do a March Madness-style tournament. In the end, we did two divisions. We figured because now NHL hockey is back, we'll put a pause, hit the pause button on that. But we did determine... Our winners for the forward and the defenseman. And the forward winner, which we uh, discovered a few weeks back, Zaku Koivu. Uh, nice. The defenseman, Andre Markov. And with all this talk about Alexander Romanov, uh, would wouldn't be a bad thing if he uh, if Alexander Romanov were to emulate the career of Andre Markov. Just saying, just saying, not to put any <laughs> expectations on the guy, but just saying. Uh, <laughs> but Andre Markov and Zaku Koivu, the two winners. Uh, uh, Andre Markov beating out Shea Weber in the final. It was actually, you know, uh, some people were saying that it might have been a little bit too close. Uh, I think they believe it was 65-35 split uh, for the final vote for the defenseman, and uh, Andre Markov ending up. As The winner in the defenseman bracket the Larry Robinson division as we put it so uh, Rick uh, as I said want to thank our friend and colleague Mike Rachel who uh, brought that up. It was a great idea It really um, it it promoted some really interesting conversation about you know Where you view guys and how you view guys that have played, you know Maybe played 10-15 years ago versus guys that are playing currently for the Montreal Canadiens
2: it was lots of fun. I, uh, thanks to uh, both of you for putting that together, and uh, and yeah, it, it brought back names that uh, maybe fans hadn't thought about in in a while, and then um, it challenged fans to kind of evaluate them, um, uh, you know, players who didn't necessarily play together. So uh, it was a, a great fun exercise, and and one of the things that uh, during the pause helped keep fans yeah. engaged.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so Rick. Moving on, we will uh, I'll let you speak here about the difference that we, we, we've we gone through some changes and we've expected that during the pause. We may have some listeners that were listening before the pause, maybe back now because NHL hockey is back. So I know you wanted to say some words about the changes that we've gone through.
2: Well, listen, we, we, we're grateful for those that uh, that stayed with us every week. We put out a podcast, or we put out two podcasts uh, yeah. every week and... Um, and uh, for those that, that stuck with us week after week, and as you said, welcome back those who may have taken uh, their own little pause. Uh, we used the time pretty effectively. Uh, we, we wanted to uh, make changes to the way we presented our podcast, our audio content, um, and we took that opportunity. And, and so we now have uh, Canadians Connection. Uh, And as you said, episode 95 and the Press Zone. We rebranded from the Press Box to the Press Zone. And that's our our podcast that comes out every Tuesday with uh, myself and Amy Johnson uh, that focuses on prospects and um, uh, the Press Zone for Hockey Prospects. And now we have two unique, distinctive, professionally produced products that uh, really stand out. Uh, there's improved audio there's an improved platform there's improved distribution uh, and there's some some bells and whistles and things uh, it it uh, the the feedback has been overwhelming that uh, uh, you like them and that you can't tell from uh, from broadcast quality uh, and uh, and and that's our aim and and even your mom had some nice things to say uh, about uh, yeah a, about our podcast um, yeah
1: notice a notice a difference and, and, and we played the clip earlier from episode 75 and that's yeah absolutely you can notice that there is that difference
2: yeah your mom said it was a more enjoyable listen and and uh, yeah we'll start there please and the parents and then and, and yeah to, to the rest of our fans <laughs> uh but but the the thing is uh we're also getting a lot more information about our fans and and uh uh, apparently, you're you're liking what we do. Um, we we look at the demographics. We look at uh, a big chunk of of listeners from Canada. A big chunk of listeners from the U.S. We have a really loyal contingent in Sweden. Uh, we mm-hmm. have uh, Australian viewers, we our listeners. We have uh, South American listeners. We have Finnish listeners. We have Russian listeners, uh, and that may increase with uh, uh, with uh, Alexander Romanov. It's it's yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> For me, the interesting part is that half of our listeners are 34 and under, half of our listeners are 35 and over. So we have a perfect uh, cross-section of of Canadians fans, and that's who we like to engage. And we like to hear from you, too, uh, on our social media and uh, and on our Rocket text line, 5853ROCKET, every single week. Um, the fun thing for me is, uh, our listeners, 92% of them are subscribed. They are subscribed to this podcast. And if you, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't, make sure you subscribe. Uh, then you'll get them every single week and you won't miss a thing. And, and also let your friends know. The other thing is that, uh, in this, this business, sometimes, you know, I, I've done it. You've probably done it. You're listening to a podcast and you say, Oh gee, I'm bored of this. And you click off. <laughs> Uh, for our listeners, they listen to ninety-five percent of the episodes. Maybe they click off for the 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 end credits, uh, yeah. but they're sticking w- with us from beginning to end. Uh, all uh, all of our our uh, listeners are subscribers. That's amazing, and uh, we we can't thank you enough. And and we also um, we want to take this opportunity at the beginning. We we said we put in context where this thing stopped. Now we're restarting. And we want to thank everybody. We want to thank our listeners. We want to thank our subscribers. But we want to go beyond that. And thank the first responders and healthcare workers. That um, you know we got to remember how we got here. This pandemic yeah. caused the coronavirus, and there were people that that helped us get through it. There were not not, not just uh, first responders uh, or healthcare workers. There were responsible people who re-engineered their lives to work from home and to help limit spread uh, of the virus. And uh, you know, with the the NHL has the we hashtag we skate for. Uh, we want to do that we pod for uh, hashtag we yeah. pod for because you guys have been amazing and we thank every single one of you thank you for st- staying with us thank you for coming back and thank you for doing your part uh to help all of us help uh the society through this difficult difficult time
1: yeah uh, incredibly well said rick um, the one thing that i will say is that yeah we, we made a point after each episode at the end of each episode to say you know thank you to those people that have put themselves, that, that were in positions, the healthcare workers, the first responders, we wanted to make it very clear that those people were the ones that got us back to this point. And everyone that was socially distancing, everyone that was wearing a mask, everyone that was doing all those things also played their role in getting us to this point. So uh, of course, and, and yeah, it, it all comes full circle. We started with a clip from episode 75 when it was paused, and now here we are game day game day. NHL hockey is back and we are so thrilled that we have a loyal listenership that comes back every week to listen and hear our thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens and a, a really diverse one from the way that you put it with a lot of people tuning in from all around the world and uh, and of all different ages um, so it is fantastic to be back to have hockey back and uh, I will say that next week uh, it will be you as well as Chris G. Back discussing the uh, the qualification round series against mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Penguins. We we set the table. You and Chris are going to look at everything that has happened in the series to that point, or maybe by that by that time it'll probably be it might be over by that point. We we don't we'll know. See. We'll see. But well, you guys will you guys will always as you always do. You will bring the uh, entertainment the engagement, and, uh, and it will be a great listen. So, uh, Rick, I guess with all that said, we will say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. But we will, be, we'll, we will be back next week discussing the qualification round series because the NHL is back.
0: Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.